All right, welcome in, boys and girls. This is RJ Bell's Dream Preview, the college basketball edition, and it is a special edition. It's, I mean, most of these are special editions with me and Griffin, uh, but this one's extra special. Why, you might ask? Because the only two-time Super Contest champion, Steve Fezzik, has decided to join us. Fez, welcome into the pod. How are you, my friend? A big thank you to uh, have me on the pod. I'm well, and this is the most exciting time of year. I'm super pumped. And Griffin, how are you, buddy? Uh I can't be better. I've won three bets in a row, and uh, it is literally my favorite stretch of the year. I'm going to be sleeping two hours a night. Can't wait. I love it. I love the. Uh, that, does that mean you're going into conference tournament time with confidence? Is that what you're telling I, me? You know, every day you got to wake up and piss ex- excellence, apparently. And I know Fez is confident. Fez is always confident. Yes. And, you know, part of it's the unique aspect. I love things that repeat itself each and every year. And obviously the conference tourneys, be honest, the pros like the conference tourneys more than the big dance. Why? Because the big dance, everyone is going crazy. They're going all in. That's not necessarily the case in the conference tournaments, especially on select games. All right. So let's do this, Fez. You were telling us during the break. Or during the break, before we started the pod, you were telling us that you're going to tell the dirty secret about these futures odds. You're going to put it out there. You're going to tell everyone what they're doing wrong. Yeah, the dirty secret is the media is lying to you. They're telling you, oh, there's outstanding value to bet teams to win the conference, teams to win the big dance, these needle in the haystack odds. And to be honest, to quote the movie, I think it was in the 80s, Running Man. All right. Richard Dawson is lying to you. Killian is lying to you when he tells you that these teams have value. They don't have value. And the reason being the dastardly bookie takes upwards of 40, 50 percent sometimes in VIG on these big pools. So if you like a team, you want to just keep rolling them over, play them to win. Take your money, roll them over. Don't invest your money for them to win the conference. And I think the poster child for that, if I can, I'm going to use the team Chattanooga that a lot of sharps have been on. Chattanooga barely paid more than two to one to win their conference tourney. Well, this morning you could get Chattanooga at Pickham. And I think you're going to get Chattanooga tomorrow at Pickham. So that two-team parlay alone is going to pay plus 260 And that advances them into this final four. I know they had to win a game at least before then. You can see how much better you're doing with the mechanical parlay of Chattanooga than playing Chattanooga pre-flop with the conference odds. And that's illustrative, really, of all of these conferences and the betting you're doing on them. Now, are there situations where that doesn't necessarily hold true? The one exception is, at times, a prohibitive favorite can be better uh, I think, for example, Gonzaga, because they triple bide into the semifinals and they're going to be such a big favorite, I'm not sure you're going to do better with the mechanical parlay. Okay. And if what happens if if a, a team that is a big favorite – you know, the, the first conference we'll do here is the ACC, and there is a minus money favorite in the ACC – it, are we talking about a situation where if Duke loses early in that tournament, then maybe that goes out the window? Sure, but if Duke doesn't exit early, then every other team has an even tougher path. So mathematically, it's true. If if you told me right off the bat, hey, Duke is going to lose in the first round, 
well, all of a sudden I'm going to want to bet on North Carolina and I won't do as well. Yes. With the mechanical part, because everybody's number calculates at some point, they're going to have to beat Duke. So that that's why that you're getting that you, the second favorite in the ACC is plus eight fifty because at some point the assumption is they'll have to beat Duke in that tournament. So, so there you go. If there's chaos, it's not necessarily the best thing, but what we're going to do is go through these conferences and tell you maybe not the the futures number may not have value, but who we think has value, who we think actually has a chance to go in and win this tournament. And whether you do it the the way the bookie wants you to do it, where you uh, you pay this extra vig like Fez is talking about, or you do it the way that Fez is telling you you should do it, these are the teams that you're going to look to roll over on. So uh, I, I agree with your – and I think the other thing to think about, Fez, is that you've got flexibility – when you're doing a, a a rollover like this, because if for some reason there's an injury, and now you suddenly say, "Well, I don't, I don't think this bet's good anymore," you can buy out of it. Whereas if you bought a futures ticket, they don't feel bad for you if Paolo Bencaro's leg breaks in the second round of the ACC tournament, or, or ooh, Johnny ooh, Davis gets ooh, sm- ooh, gets gosh. smacked upside the side of the head and can't play in the conference tournament. Yeah, for Wisconsin. I, that's interesting because I, I I don't know what happens to Wisconsin now. I don't know if their odds check because I mean obviously there's a lot of questions about what, what, how hurt he is, and of course Greg Gard saying the right things that oh yeah I'm I'm pretty confident he'll be fine, but he didn't come back in this game today, so. Uh, the Big Ten we will save because as we record this, Illinois and Iowa uh, are going at it. And because Wisconsin found a way to lose to Nebraska today, this game matters for seeding. It was kind of assumed that Wisconsin was going to win the Big Ten, and you know that was just that. But because they lost to the worst team in the conference, now that opens a door for Illinois, uh, who – is we're about seven minutes to go in that game. So we'll get to the Big Ten later on. But let's start in the ACC, Fez, where Duke is a healthy favorite, minus 130. Uh, North Carolina is plus 850. Wake, plus 900. Notre Dame, Virginia Tech, Miami, plus 1,000. Virginia, plus 1,800. I'm going to say... I, if you if either of you guys disagree, I'd love to hear it. I'm going to say after Virginia, you can draw a line. I can't imagine a scenario where one of the teams further down in the odds, whether it be Syracuse, Florida State, Clemson, et cetera, have a chance to win this thing. Do either of you disagree? Nope. nope. And Florida State has certainly had you know all kinds of trouble. You know, one thing that was interesting, just looking at the standings, you know, Duke obviously completely dominant. But then when you look at the standings, it's like, hmm, not so much. You know, it's a cluster of teams with four, five, and six losses with NC, um, Notre Dame, and Miami. So maybe Duke's getting a little bit too much hype overall. You know, I, th- I think selectively with all these distractions, I'm probably going to try to make money in this tournament just going anti-Duke in the right spots. So that's kind of the that, – that feels like what the game is here. It's – obviously there's not much value in betting on Duke in this scenario where they're, they're a a minus favorite over the field. And I'm with you. I'd, I'd like to bet against them. And and this is the first time, this is the first time since I want to, I want to say it's like since 2005 or 2006 that Duke has won a won the regular season outright, like in the ACC, it just doesn't happen very often. And you'd think it would happen a lot more. It just doesn't. 
But I think that with it being Coach K's last year, I think that you're paying premiums on Duke right now. And I'm curious, you know, with the loss to North Carolina last night, I think there was a bit of a distraction about it being Coach K's last home game. And I don't know what prevents there from being a distraction of his last ACC tournament or, for that matter, his last big tournament. I, I don't I don't know that I'm going to be looking to bet on Duke at all for the rest of the season. What are you guys thinking on that? So I'll, I'll take that. Um, I think from, from where I sit with Duke, uh, as I drafted them in our uh, little special episode, last episode when we did our, our draft of, of six teams that we thought were going to win the championship, um, not great to see Duke go as a big 11-point favorite and drop a game at home. But I think, as you said, uh, a lot of distractions. And I think UNC played a really good game. Uh, Brady Manick shot about as well as I think you could ask him to, especially on the road. Uh, but there are some Duke issues where I think there's generally a that you pay a premium to back them anytime you play them. I think Duke as an underdog is, is a, probably a great bet over a long period, but you don't get that a lot. And uh, I don't think there's going to be a lot of scenarios where Duke is, is an underdog or really is a short enough favorite that'll make me interested. Fez? You know, one interesting stat, and I got to attribute this, this is uh, from Dr. Bob. Very interesting. If you blindly bet teams in the conference tourneys, this applies to conference tourneys, they're off a loss. Playing a team off of a win that's straight up, just their previous game, momentum is nothing. In fact, you want to back the team that's off of a loss and you cash 53% of your tickets. Now, that's not all that significant, only be 53%, but it is a really big sample. I don't know how far back that goes. So the fact that Duke actually lost makes me reluctant to fade them in their first game in the tournament. Okay. And and the, the first game that Duke will play is going to, I mean, that's... You're you're probably seeing Duke play against a, a you know a Florida State Syracuse winner that's not going to have much of a shot. So I, I I'm with you. I, I think that it's probably I wouldn't want to fade Duke early, but I don't believe Duke is a team to win this tournament. I, I do think that they are flawed. I think it's a weak ACC, but I also kind of feel like it's throwing darts. And I, I'll mention two teams. I'll mention two teams that I I kind of like, and I'll mention one team that I don't like that I think everybody else does. And you know what? I'll start with that one. And Griffin, you and I have talked about this team before, and I I actually they they lost they I've lost a best bet against them a couple weeks ago. But Virginia Tech, uh, who's sitting at ten to one, they went nine and two down the stretch after a ten and ten start. They did not see much quality. Uh, late in the season, aside from a loss against North Carolina and the, the one point miracle win against Miami, that that was my loser. Uh, I, I don't believe in this Virginia Tech team, and it, it seems to me that the number on them for them to be the, the fourth favorite in this conference is a little bit short. Yeah, well, the funny thing is, is I went through and I uh, outlined or highlighted in my Excel spreadsheet of, of who I, I thought was worth looking into for either a mechanical parlay or, or whatever. You're just teams that might go a little further than expected. And the team I highlighted was Virginia Tech. Ugh, ugh. And, and But let me explain to you why. And this is part because I've kind of learned uh, with the efficient market hypothesis to trust the market. And they've loved Virginia Tech really ever since I bet against Virginia Tech on November 24th when they lost to Memphis in Brooklyn. That was one of those lines where I was like, this doesn't make any sense. They ended up losing that game as they have a lot of games this season. Um, 
It's about time for the market to be right, though. And unfortunately, uh, I think going along with what you said, it's taken a really long time for them to really show anything. And what have they shown? Um, But they are, uh, according to the bracket matrix, they're one of the other at-larges that are are potentially in in the bracket, but certainly don't, to me, seem like they're anywhere near locking up a bid. So... Uh, it's their time to put up and shut up. They got to stack some pretty big wins to try to get in in that large or likely need to win this tournament to get the whole thing. And, and now I'm not someone that really believes in backing a team because they need to win. I feel like must wins are usually a must lose against the spread. Um, but from, from where I sit, that is a team that I want to target as a potential long shot to potentially win this tournament. But uh the, the nice things probably end there. I mean, they're on the other side of Duke, which is great. They get Notre Dame in the second game if they get through a Clemson-North Carolina State winner, uh, which is probably the weakest of the four uh, double buys that are out there. I think you could argue that Miami might be weaker than Notre Dame, but I think they're kind of in the similar way yep. overachievers in a weak ACC. Um, and then the problem is once you get through there, you got to play UNC who they lost to at home a few weeks ago. So, um, there's, there's a reason why they're a long shot at, at double digits to one. It seems like to win this conference. Um, but I feel like there's not a lot that I want to look for in this ACC right now. Yeah. I'll, I, I think you're right that the market likes Ken Palm or Ken Palm likes Virginia tech more than, than any, like Virginia tech is, way better in the analytics and better amongst the market than than I think they are, than I've seen them play. But Virginia Tech's the second best team in Ken Palm in the ACC, which blows my mind that a team that's 11 and 9 in conference is the second best ACC team in Ken Palm. I, I don't understand it. I'm, I'll fade it. I, I don't know. You know, the Clemson, I mean, they just lost to Clemson. I just saw it. So, it's and you mentioned North Carolina. They lost both those games to North Carolina. Neither was particularly close. Um, so I, I'm out on Virginia Tech. I I think the teams that I I guess the teams that interest me are Virginia, who I saw play Duke in in close games twice, and I I, do, I don't think Virginia is very good. But I, if I'm saying beating Duke is a prerequisite to having a chance to win this thing, it, it makes me think. Well, Virginia's got a shot here. Uh, and then the other team would be Wake Forest. And Wake Forest is, they're not playing as well as they were early in the season. But the way that they're built is intriguing to me. But you could argue that besides Ben Caro, Alondis Williams is the best player in the ACC. And if you look at their makeup beyond him, so they've got a great point guard. Now they've got a super athletic front court that can get a bunch of easy buckets. That's kind of the, it's kind of a team that I like the way they're built to, to do well in the tournament. So that's a team that, that interests me. You know, they, there's the third favorites behind, uh, behind North Carolina. So Duke, North Carolina, and then wake forest. So wake is a team that I could maybe look at. I don't think, I, I don't think Notre Dame's of interest to me either. Um, so th- that's the way I'm looking right now. I, I, but I do feel like it's kind of throwing darts if you're trying to beat Duke here. Yeah, I think for, just from where I sit, and, and Fez, feel free if you want to jump in, but I think UNC is probably the team I'd look to as uh, I'm in a few pools uh, for conference tournaments where there's some different rules, and so I won't go through them all. Uh, but I think UNC is probably the team I'm picking based on being the other side of Duke. There's a multiplier in most of them because they, they pay, or basically you get points for uh, the seed that wins. Uh, unfortunately, though, a pretty short number for having to get through three wins and probably beat Duke is a sizable underdog the next time they play. 
Fez, final thoughts on how you can beat Duke in this thing? Well, you could just bet North Carolina plus 12 the morning of the game against Duke. So <laughs> if you wanted to bet North Carolina, should have bet them in that game. Now I think it's probably, if there was one thing I'll look to do is fade North Carolina off of that Duke win. I think that the short-term bias will have them overvalued. That doesn't mean that they don't win the tournament. I I, I look at you know, the point spreads and what's likely going to come. Yes. All right, let's take a look at the Big East where Villanova's the favorite, but it's not by a, a, a long shot here. Villanova plus 165. UConn is plus 350. Uh, Griffin's boys out there in Providence are plus 500. Marquette, 700. Creighton, 10 to 1. Seton Hall, 16 to 1. I, I, I'm tempted to stop there. St. John, Xavier, Butler, DePaul, Georgetown, you might as well light your money on fire. I, 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 although they won it last year. I, I have no idea how, but they won it last year. Uh, what are we looking at in the Big East, Griffin? What's, what's your, uh, who's your favorite, and, and who do you think has a shot if it's not the favorite? So, so Fez, to clue you in, I am from Providence, Rhode Island. That's where I grew up, and, and that's the team I supported uh, as they were the, the local team, I guess, as you will. Uh, and, and we've kind of made a joke about how Twitter hates Providence more than anyone in the world. Uh, and Providence just keeps winning. I mean, it's been good fortune with COVID absences or injuries or all these sort of things and winning all these close games. Uh, and winning the Big East like with three games to spare was hilarious. But, uh, you know, I, I feel like trying to go against Providence in this tournament is where you want to be. Uh, anyone in that top half of the bracket that gets to avoid Villanova and UConn, the two best teams in the Big East, I think is the great spot you want to be. So uh, I don't think that's Providence because they have the one seed next to their name. Certainly it's going to be nice that they play the winner of Xavier Butler. Hilarious also that Xavier finished eighth in this conference uh, considering they were ranked what a meltdown, 15th yeah. or something. I mean, I, I think we, we both felt they were way overrated for what they what we think they are uh, versus the number next to their name, but they've certainly uh, removed a lot of that value going against them. But um, from where I sit, I'm looking at the Creighton Marquette winner as a potential value play, if you will. Uh, I think that Marquette is is the team that I'm looking into uh, based on their pressure defense, Shaka Smart coming off winning the Big 12 championship or tournament championship last year. And I think that he's shown that he's willing to press this year. And that's what made him the coach he was. Uh, also, Fez, I, I graduated from UT, so I, I've dealt with Rick Barnes and then Shaka Smart, and it's been a brutal existence. Um, but so I, I've watched them pretty closely, and I think from where I sit, in, in terms of chaos, I mean, if Providence loses, certainly that would be an impact on, on what that number would look like uh, for a mechanical parlay. But I, I think ultimately, if you pick a winner of the Creighton-Marquette game, I think there's value on whoever that team is to emerge from that first game to then get through, and then you only have to go through one of Villanova or Connecticut. Uh, and I think Marquette are the team to do that. Creighton, uh, with a big injury to their starting point guard, I think is going to really struggle with turnovers and might be the worst type of matchup to play in that first round against Marquette. Uh, Marquette's going to run you ragged. They're going to really test your legs. And I think that's going to be a, a tough thing for anyone they play. Uh, so Marquette is the team I'm looking for, um, though I don't know if the number's exactly where I want it to be to, to make a play, but that, that's, that's the one I highlighted. Yeah, I think I like the I, I like your idea of taking the winner of that Creighton Marquette thing, but I think I like Creighton. 
Um, they beat Marquette both matchups, although they they were both close. One was a double overtime win for Creighton. The other one was a one point win for Creighton. So they played them close. But I've also I, Creighton's the team. I saw Creighton beat UConn twice. Uh, I saw them beat Villanova this year. I've seen Creighton beat everybody. Uh, except Seton Hall. And I wanted to like Seton Hall, but I, I make it a habit of not betting the teams that have to play an extra game uh, in these tournaments. So Seton Hall, even though it's Georgetown, I, I think that Seton Hall could probably beat Georgetown, you know, shooting blindfolded. But I don't like the idea of them having to play an extra game. Uh, so I, I think if I'm looking for value, I think that Creighton is probably the way I'm looking. I, I like their number. I mean, at ten to one, more than I like Marquette, and I, I think that you know you'll you'll be able to roll over and get some good value on that team. And I do think that avoiding the bottom half of that bracket, avoiding the Villanova and UConn part of the bracket, and avoiding Seton Hall, I, it just you know I, I I'm. I've talked enough about how I think Providence is overrated. I still think that they are. Ouch. ouch. Uh, but I'd certain. I mean, you you want to be on that. You the road to to the Big East final going through Providence is much easier than it would be going through Villanova or Connecticut or 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 trying to decide which one of those teams is going to win it. Fez, what are your thoughts on the Big East? Yeah, I think there's two games that stand out to me potentially. You know, Providence. Correct me if I'm wrong. They just beat Xavier in overtime, and they just beat Butler in overtime. So Providence beats everyone in overtime. That's how they win games. What are you talking about? Paul also, I think, with OT. Yeah, um, right. So, so in their first round, there's going to be overtime revenge. So I know I'm not going to want Providence in that game. And and you know what? Certainly, it'll be interesting to see what that game comes. Probably Providence just a small favorite. I got to tell you, I think Marquette is going to pound Creighton in the in the first round because the spot is so good. I get it that Creighton beat them twice, but I saw I actually saw the second game and Marquette outplayed them most of the way, and then it was a miracle that Creighton got up four, and then Marquette banked in a three, hit a long three to only lose by one and cover by half a point, and that made the ESPN bad beats. Like, oh, Marquette was so lucky to cover. It's like, no, Marquette should have won that game. So the fact that I thought Marquette took it to Creighton in the second matchup but came up empty straight up, I think Marquette beats Creighton. I'll be on Marquette. Marquette worries me away from home because they've just been like losing to Butler, who's awful, losing to DePaul, who's not very good. Like, and those are not those were in the last month. So they're they're losing these games to teams that they shouldn't be losing to, and and they're obviously much better at home. But yeah, I don't trust a team that is is losing to teams like that on the road. So and. And and you're right that Creighton game. I, I I think Creighton did get a little bit lucky, but I think Creighton is. I do think Creighton is a better team than than Marquette is. So I, I'll, uh, I'll I'll probably be against you on that one, Fez. Do you who, do you like uh, someone out of Villanova or UConn, or are you looking to avoid that that side of the bracket as well? Well, Villanova has recent revenge against Connecticut, right? So the, I I would only look towards Villanova. But what are they going to be laying like six in that game? That sounds about right. Uh, I, I, that would be my guess. I may, I may be a little bit shorter. That might be four. I, th- I think shorter. Uh, Villanova did everything they could to blow the game at UConn. Uh, yeah, should have been a, a season sweep for Villanova, but um, you know. But because UConn I, got a win, maybe they get there's some you're, there's a little value on Nova. Potentially, I think from where I sit, Villanova are still a team that I'm really scared to go against because if they're making shots, I don't know how you beat them. But if they're not, they're very beatable. 
Yeah, and Jay Wright's a guy that you want to. He's a guy you feel comfortable backing in a tournament setting, certainly. So, uh, interesting stuff in the Big East. Let's go to the Big Twelve, where we've got co-favorites: Baylor and Kansas, both two to one favorites. Texas Tech plus three forty, Texas plus five fifty. TCU at 20 to 1. Maybe there's some value there. Oklahoma, Iowa State at 50 to 1. Kansas State, West Virginia, we can probably forget about. And there's remember, there's only nine teams because Oklahoma State's ineligible. Texas, the defending champions. The TCU Texas matchup, like TCU is a team that I was kind of maybe thinking about as a long shot, as a dark horse in this conference. But it seems like they match up really poorly against Texas. Both both the games against Texas, Texas just handled them, and that t- the athleticism edge that TCU seems to have against a lot of teams just was non-existent against Texas. What do you think about that matchup, Griffin? Uh, so I do not like TCU because they really struggled with the Texas pressure in the home game. I did watch both of these games uh, and really wasn't planning to watch the game in Austin because I figured it was – Uh, Not going to be very close, but TCU led for a fair amount of that one. And then Texas really turned on the pressure in the second half. And I feel like that's like the it's exactly what's going to happen in this matchup. And TCU doesn't have enough ball handling. And I think that's what Chris Beard is really going to do for this tournament setting. I think you showed it a little bit against KU, though tough, obviously, to go on the road. But I still think you got to give Texas credit for taking uh, the Jayhawks to overtime at home, even though, of course, they didn't cover the spread uh, thanks to fouls late. Just brutal, brutal for anyone that had UT in that one. But um, I I think TCU is is probably getting a lot of or a big number, and it's for a reason because I – I mean, even if they do get through Texas, then they have to get through KU most likely, and that's going to be so hard in Kansas City. Fez, when you when you look at a conference like this, that you know it feels kind of wide open because none of the teams at the top here, none of the top four teams are playing particularly well to finish the season. You know, Kansas has lost two of the last four. Uh, we just talked about them getting an overtime win over Texas. I, Baylor, I guess, is the exception. They, they've they've kind of righted the ship, um, although they they're still dealing with some injury things. And then Texas Tech, who's the other favorite, they've lost two of the last three as well. And that Oklahoma State game where they they scored like one point in the last eight minutes or something like that and ended up losing. That's that's a crazy result. But Texas Tech, and that's another team who's not re- like the injury status of Kevin McCullough is pretty key for for Tech as well. He's their leading rebounder, leading assist guy. So when when nobody's exactly playing well coming into the tournament, how do you look at things, Fez? Well, just as far as TCU at twenty to one, let's let's break the math down. So no one does this against Texas. What TCU wins that game one third of the time? Is that sound about right? That sounds about right. And then I know they just played Kansas at home and they're getting six. So I think a leap of faith would be they beat Kansas one fourth of the time, right? I think that's fair. They, I mean, they beat them. They beat it. They split with them. They, they played back to back games and they split. And then give them a one third chance to win in the title game. Well, you, you know, multiply those out. That's one in 36. So you're getting paid 20. It's like a roulette, a roulette number. You're getting paid 20 to one on betting a roulette number. Is that a good bet or a bad bet? That sounds like a bad bet, Fez. Yes, I'd rather get the 35 to 1, which, by the way, is still a bad bet that that actually (laughs) pays. Now, that doesn't mean TCU doesn't have value. Like I said, just bet them in each individual game, either on the money line, you know, or plus the points. I'll say this about Kansas. I think the the red warning light is blinking on Kansas. The fact that they lost, like you said, to TCU, 
And then they turn around next game, they're home and it's life and death for them to win that game. And then they play Texas and their life and death to win that game. There's um, there's a lot of concerns I have about Kansas's current form. Yeah. Griffin, what are your thoughts on the favorites going into this thing? To, just to touch on KU at first, um, I'm a little bit nervous about them as well because uh, I feel like they go as Abaji goes, and if he's not great, they're pretty mediocre. They have good players and a lot of talent, but it hasn't really seemed to be as dynamic or that they've been as good as they have been in the past in the Big 12 when they basically just own the conference and you knew they were going to win the, ter- the, the the conference every year, though I guess they did it again this year. In terms of uh, what I was doing for each uh, of these conferences before uh, this pod was I was trying to highlight a team and I actually didn't highlight one for this conference because unfortunately Baylor, Kansas, and Texas Tech are all in the same priced region, it seems like to me. Um, same tier. Uh, I think if anything, I'd, I'd look at, at Texas Tech being a three seed, but they have to beat Baylor and then likely Kansas as well. Um, and I guess one thing I should before moving completely off of Kansas is they sometimes don't take this conf- uh, conference tournament as seriously as you'd like to, them to. Um, and, and I think for, for along those lines, Texas Tech trying to get healthy for the big dance, they're certainly worried about McCullers. And I feel like there's no reason to play him in this tournament. So um, I don't know. Baylor losing uh, everyday John to a, an ACL or, or a bunch of knee injuries that all got corrected by surgery. Um, there's a lot of wounded dogs in this one. So maybe there is an opportunity for someone to come out of the blue. I just don't know that like OU is a team that can do that. West Virginia can't close games, so they can't, certainly can't close four of them. Um, I, I don't really know where to go in this conference. I feel like I'm going to close my eyes and uh, throw a dart. Do you give uh, do you give Kansas any home court at all for playing in Kansas City? I, I wouldn't. I, I think the team I would give the most is actually Iowa State. Um, I feel like they always show up in KC. Kansas hmm. State, if they were better, I, I feel like they might have a little bit more. I mean, KU has so many fans in the area, so there's always going to be a ton of KU fans. But they're they're always at every stadium. Like every time they play in Austin, I think it's probably 55% Jayhawks. So. Um, maybe that's changing. Hopefully that's something that Chris Beard can, can work on, but, um, I, I don't give them a lot, maybe a point, but that's, that's as far about as far as I'll go. Yeah. It's interesting because it's Kansas. The one thing you can say about them is they're the one team that's healthy right now. You know, you, you mentioned everyday John and you, I mean, LJ Cryer, I, I don't know when he's going to play again. Uh, you know, Trey Mitchell had been out for Texas now for seven, eight games. So we mentioned Texas Tech's injuries. Kansas is the healthiest team, certainly, amongst the contenders. Um, I, I kind of want to say Texas Tech, but I, I think the idea, what you just said, that, that they've got no reason to play McCuller in, in this tournament is, is true. And uh, these teams that are already locked into an at-large spot – there's really not much reason to take it seriously. So I, I, or at least not to take it seriously to a point that you're risking your, your chances going into the tournament because the, the top four teams and, and, and really you can, I think you could throw TCU in there is probably a team who's locked up a spot. Now you're, you're looking at teams who are comfortably in the tournament. They don't need to win this thing. They they're just thinking, let's, let's get as healthy as we can, uh, for the big dance. So I, I think this is a, a it's a tournament that I'm just going to try to steer clear of. Any final thoughts, Fez? No, I think we covered it. All right, let's move on to the Pac-12. And this is, I have been a uh, a proponent of Arizona basketball all season. 
I'm in love with this team. They they are they've made me look good so far. Minus one forty. There's not a lot of value here, and they just got beat by Colorado. But I will say, and maybe you, one of you guys disagrees with me. It sure feels like in a time when when home court feels less and less valuable, the Pac-12 might be one of the the conferences where it really matters. Particularly, you know, we hear a lot about that mountain trip. Uh, it's not easy travel to get up to either of the Washington or Oregon schools. So maybe the Pac-12, like more than any conference, the, the home court advantage plays a big role. So Arizona not having to worry about that could be big. Um, but and, – and this is another example of a, a team in UCLA who – it seems to me – if and they're the second favorites at plus 280. It seems to me UCLA should prioritize getting healthy for the big tournament because even if they win the Pac-12 tournament, they may move up from like the four line to the three line. It feels like they're kind of locked into where they are, and they're a team that really, really needs to get their their health situation right going into the tournament. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think Johnny Juzang falls into that completely. He did not look, I mean, he looked okay. Uh, had a couple, maybe one explosive drive to the basket when like USC didn't cover him last night. Um, but I think UCLA is like 100% in that position where they need to take no chances, rest their bodies. And, and unfortunately, I don't know really that I felt this way about the conference tournaments before the season. Uh, but it seems like in, in most of these conferences, there's a situation where it doesn't really make sense to to care so much about this one. And when you play four games in four days, it, it t- kind of impacts your legs for next week when the tournament really matters. So. Um, you know, I, I think from where I sit in this conference and shouldn't surprise you, you've been on Arizona all year and I feel like USC has been uh, disrespected for most of the season. I, I think they have something to play for right now, considering uh, they're dropping after two tough losses last week at home against Arizona and at UCLA, um, that they might see this as an opportunity to try to jump from a seven or six, where I think they've been trending on seed lines, depending where you look uh, that they, if they win this tournament, that might be a big step for them. I just don't know that they can get through Arizona. And uh, in terms of like bubble teams in this conference, I feel like Oregon's going to have to go to the final or likely win this entire thing based on how they've been playing down the stretch. And I don't know if I can trust them to do that. Yeah. Oregon's lost six of eight now kind of quietly, and Oregon's the fourth favorite in this tournament at plus 1,200. I, they've got to play an extra game because they're the five seed. I don't know how you can find value in Oregon. Will Richardson missed the last game against Wazoo, so his status is unknown. I see no value in Oregon to win this thing. And in fact, Washington State at plus 2,700 as the fifth favorite. Obviously, you'd do better as a mechanical parlay, as Fez mentioned at the beginning. But Washington State, who has a bye or excuse me, doesn't have a bye, but is uh, is is a team that they're going to play against that UCLA team who, you know, they may, like like we were talking about, maybe resting guys. Washington State may be a team with some value. Uh, and then Colorado, who does have a bye, they're the four seed. Of course, they just happen to fall into the same half of the bracket as Arizona, who I think is going to be a little salty at what happened to Colorado in that last game. Uh, and, and Washington State, to go back to them, that was a team that – I think most people thought was a tournament team going into the season was like a tournament quality roster and they've just been disappointing this year, but it seems like maybe they've turned a little bit of a corner and when you've got a good enough roster, they've won four of their last five. 
is that a team that's capable of making a little bit of run? I, I don't know, but to me, those are the teams that are kind of interesting in these situations. If you're not looking to back the favorite in, in Arizona, in my mind, Fez, Arizona may be the rare conference tourney favorite that I could actually endorse to bet pre-flop. I love this draw for Arizona. I love the Arizona team. I get it. They lost in altitude at Colorado. They're carrying heavy fatigue. They played an extra game that week and it was a tor- horrible spot. But look at this now. They're going to crush the 8-9 seed. And then if they get Colorado, they're going to destroy Colorado probably with recent revenge and Colorado having played against a a tough opponent, probably Oregon. Um, It'll only be a tough opponent if if it's Oregon. AJ, what do we think? Minus 13 Arizona in the the semifinals? Uh, Against Colorado, I would guess 12 or 13 sounds about right. And we just saw Arizona absolutely take apart USC on the road in one of the most impressive road wins against a top 20 team. UCLA is not a hundred percent. Arizona is going to win. And also Arizona always represents well in Las Vegas, which is where this tournament's being held again. Griffin, you, uh, you've got any argument for him on that? Uh, I actually don't. I, I some Intel, cause I'm coming out to Vegas and, and planning to try to go to the semis of this tournament. I, I heard that you got to be wary of the Arizona games and that's about it. That not, really many other teams fan bases show up Arizona seems to dominate LA and I guess they probably dominate another desert as well I think Utah you will get some fans but I think their team is just so bad this year that I I, I wouldn't expect to see much of it so uh and that's I guess the, the if I were looking at anyone besides Arizona I, I'm with you Griffin it'd probably be USC just because I I like their draw I like the idea that UCLA may not be you know, playing their their A game because they they've got health to prioritize. So I I think USC has like I could see them getting out of the bottom side of the bracket, but I've just got no interest in fading Arizona. So it's it's probably Arizona or pass for me on on this uh, tournament. All right, let's go to the SEC, and we'll wrap up with the Big Ten after that. As we, it's now official. Illinois is your Big Ten regular season, I guess, co-champion, but they're your one seed. Uh, But let's take a look at the SEC and the favorite, the Kentucky Wildcats at plus 190, Auburn plus 260, Tennessee plus 330, Arkansas plus 750. Then you get LSU at 10 to 1, Bama 15 to 1, Florida 40 to 1, and I think I'll stop there. Uh, and guys, this is obviously a, a, a conference where it's, it's about, it's about haves and have nots and the haves are all residing at the top. They all get a buy. Uh, they're all the top four seeds, Auburn, Tennessee, Kentucky, and Arkansas. What are your thoughts on how to approach the sec Griffin? Ah, man. Really tough to do, but I think you you can't go much further than the the four top four seeds that all got buys that are all priced pretty similarly, or at least not in a place where I'd want them. Uh, Arkansas, I think, has the easiest run as the non one seed, uh, if, if you will, having to get through Auburn. I think is is slightly easier than uh, an easier path than going through Tennessee or Kentucky. Um, but they have to play LSU most likely in the in the first round game uh, with LSU who will have a, a game under their belt and just played one down to the wire. I think went to overtime this past weekend. Um, I, I don't know what to say. I mean, I really liked what I saw from South Carolina coming into 
uh, or down the stretch. It seems like what Frank Martin does every season. Um, but they've got a tough one with Mississippi State, who some, somehow finishes a 10 seed in this conference. And then they got to go through Tennessee. I, I just I don't really know where to go. I do think that there's going to be plenty of opportunities for single game bets in this one. Uh, but there's going to be a lot of toss up spreads below three points. Um, so I think this is going to be a, a fun conference tournament to, to bet. And I also think as it moved out of Nashville this year to Tampa, um, that it should just be a ton of UK Wildcat fans that are going to be all over the place shouting C-A-T-S, cats, cats, cats. Yeah, this is uh, one of the the tournaments where I think Fez's point is best noted about mechanical parlays versus you know, trying to take the, uh, the, the futures price because to me, if you're looking at Tennessee to beat South Carolina, Kentucky, and then either Auburn or Arkansas, you're going to get a better payout than plus 330. And Tennessee is probably the team I'm looking at. I, I think Auburn is the team I'm certainly looking to fade. Uh, I, I think them being the second favorite as the, kind of the wheels have fallen off on them as, as the season's gone on, particularly away from home. Uh, and really, that's the two teams that I, I trust the least are Auburn and Arkansas because I don't trust them when they're not at home. I think their home court edge is so great that when they get in these tournament settings that maybe they're they're a little inflated. So it's it's going to be to me, I think the winner of this tournament is going to be the winner of of the game on Saturday between Tennessee and Kentucky. Um, I, I, but I don't think at 190 or, or 330, there's enough value to, to, you know, warrant making a play on them. Uh, because I think Alabama, uh, against Kentucky, I think, I think Kentucky's just, you know, what Alabama is now compared to what they were at the beginning of the season. It's just not the same thing. I, you can say the same thing about LSU, I suppose, Alabama and LSU, both, both teams that looked really good to start the season and just have not been that. If I were looking at one like super long shot, maybe it's Florida. They've been on the bubble all season long, and it feels like maybe they've got their backs against the wall. Uh, they've already beat Auburn once, and because the tournament is being played in Tampa, like you said, maybe they're a team that could make some noise here. But I again, I, I just think that bottom half of the bracket, that that two three matchup between Kentucky and Tennessee, is what decides this thing. Fez, tell us what we're looking at here. You know, what really stood out to me when I look at the futures odds for the big dance is the disparity between Kentucky and Tennessee. I just pulled up Circa's odds. Kentucky's eight to one. Tennessee's 32 to one. So here are two teams that are kind of in the same conversation, same record, same seeds. And yet one team is is uh, if they played if there was five times champions, Kentucky would get four of them and Tennessee only one if they played this tournament 150 times or whatever it is. Uh, that's pretty darn amazing to me. So the public, um, uh, pr- not the public, the pricing of Kentucky is that this is a team that wasn't any better than Tennessee over the course of the season. But the wise guys feel Kentucky is a team on the come that continues to improve. I don't know what you guys' thoughts are on that. Uh, my thoughts are the the coaches in the, for those two teams. One is an established winner, and one is an established guy who hasn't really gotten it done in tournament settings. Uh, you know, Calipari's been a, a long-term success in tournament play, and Rick Barnes has been sort of a long-time disappointment. So I think that's priced in, in a way. And I think the brand name is certainly priced in with Kentucky. Like, you know, Kentucky's a team when you you go when you go to the window, and you know, as as RJ would say, when you when you walk up with your duct tape shoes, 
you know, or, or Barney from the bar walks up to, to the window at the MGM on his uh, on his trip out there. He said, oh, Kentucky, now that's a team that they, they win the tournament all the time. So I do think that there's some of that built into it. Um, but, you know, Griffin, you can point you can you can account for me on this one. Tennessee is a team that I liked from the beginning of the season. I, I think that they play as good a defense as anyone. It's not sexy uh, what they do offensively. But they they are capable of really good offensive games, and you're always going to get a great defensive performance out of them. Yeah, you've been on Tennessee from I think our inaugural, our first podcast, as they were I think the the third feature that you uh, put out there. Um, I think based on those numbers being different, uh, it's also a little bit surprising to me because <laughs> I mean they're they're not that different in the futures market, and I do think that does account for the crowd a little bit. Uh, being pro uh, Kentucky wearing blue, all that sort of stuff, and their success in recent tournaments. I feel like they're always playing the title game on Sunday uh, every year when this tournament comes around. But they also have to go through Alabama, which is, I mean, say what you want about Alabama. They have some of the best wins of any team out there. So um, I, I don't know. I, I don't see any value in backing the Cats because they're they're going to have a tough run to get through potentially Alabama, Tennessee, and then Auburn. I just It's not for me. All right. So is there, I mean, outside of the, you know, Kentucky, Tennessee, is there anybody that you would recommend? Is there anybody that you feel has a good shot of winning this thing? So my highlight was Arkansas based on how well they've been playing, but they have to get through LSU and Auburn, which is an easier stretch than the other side with Alabama and Tennessee that Kentucky would face. I just don't know that they're priced in a way that makes it interesting to me. And I just like LSU has been playing so poorly a and is trying to fight their way in the dance, but like they have to beat Auburn and Florida most likely to try to even get back onto the bubble. I don't know. There's a lot of lot of issues with a lot of these teams here, and I think it's going to be one to watch. I think the interesting question is if Auburn plays Arkansas, which on Saturday, would Auburn as the one seed be favored over Arkansas? I'd say slight, slight favorite. Barely. So I, I do think, our, you know, Fez, do you agree that this is one of the conferences that if 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 you like one of these teams, the rollover is is probably more apt than any because there's parity at the top of the odds? Absolutely. And if it does get to the finals, I, I'm, I'd be looking to fade Arkansas. They're a long way from home or fade Auburn. If either team, one of those two teams gets to the final, that would be a fade. All right, let's wrap it up with the Big Ten. And as we said, Illinois wins against Iowa, and they are your one seed. Illinois and Wisconsin, the co-champs. Wisconsin, boy, what a uh, an unexpected loss for Wisconsin. You asked me, can things really change today based on these Big Ten results, Griffin? And I said, no, I don't think so, because in my head I said – there's absolutely no way Wisconsin loses a basketball match against Nebraska. And what do you know? They went out and lost a basketball match against Nebraska. So things have certainly changed. But what are the odds looking like now, Griffin, in the Big Ten? Yeah. So they've actually moved a little bit since, I mean, which makes sense because Illinois jumped from the bottom end of the bracket to the top end, which is where you want to be avoiding Purdue from my point of view. Um, and so just in terms, not, not a huge change, but using some, some offshore odds, uh, Purdue has jumped from, uh, 
210 to win the tournament to 240, not a huge jump. Uh, but I think most interestingly, Iowa jumped jump from five to one, maybe off of a good performance at Illinois. Uh, but they've jumped to third favorites now. Wisconsin has moved back up to fourth, same price to, to win it. So I'm not sure that there's a, a huge difference in the odds. But just in terms of kind of where the teams sit, it seems like a, a noteworthy difference to me that Iowa, who's been playing really well, um, they will likely get Rutgers, it looks like, as the four seeds yep. if they win their first game after the winner of Nebraska Northwestern. So um, a lot of movement, and you know we're adjusting on the fly as a, a true 2022 podcast would. Yeah, I I'll tell you what what's happened here with I with Illinois becoming the one seed is I love Illinois' path a lot more than I did earlier today. Uh, getting the winner of you know Iowa having to play an extra game now. And, you know, I Rutgers does not scare me at all. Um, and then, you know, Illinois it, probably playing the winner of uh, – or they'll play the winner of Indiana and Michigan, who I, I think that they'll do fine with. I, I really love their draw here. Um, I guess my question comes down to – and Illinois, to me, is the most complete team in the Big Ten. And I think with all these teams, you need to ask, like – does Purdue, does Iowa, does Ohio State, does Michigan, do they play enough defense to win in a tournament setting? And then if you say, okay, does Wisconsin uh, play enough offense? I, I can say almost certainly Rutgers and Indiana aren't good enough offensively to win this thing. So I, I feels like Illinois being the only team ranked in the top 40 in, in offense and defense on Ken Palm, they feel like the most balanced team. I like their coach. This is a team. This is the kind of team I like in a tournament setting. Uh, which way are you looking if you had to if you had to go somewhere, Griffin? Uh, huge, huge win for Illinois. Uh, Wisconsin just handed it to them on a silver platter. Though Illinois had to come back from the dead, really, from trailing Iowa for most, if not all, of the game. Um, but they, I mean, to the victor goes the spoils because getting uh, the winner of Iowa Rutgers in. Uh, Iowa potentially on, on two games back to back. So, so on a third straight day of playing, as opposed to having to play Wisconsin or Purdue is, is a huge, huge benefit for Illinois. Um, so I got to say their, their likelihood to win the whole thing or, or to win the big 10 tournament, excuse me, uh, it took a big jump. I, I do think that there's going to be great representation through almost all the fan bases here, uh, probably skews towards Indiana being in Indianapolis and there should be plenty of Purdue fans. Uh, but I wouldn't hesitate to say that Illinois fans are going to be there to celebrate a shared national title, or excuse me, a shared conference title that they all just uh, rushed the court for, despite being a pretty big favorite today. Yeah, Fez, you are a resident Big Ten alum. Uh, I don't think that your team is going to win this year, but you never know. Crazier things have happened. I do think they will beat Nebraska in the first game. Uh, but Fez, what are you looking at in the Big Ten? Where do you see any value? One thing I wanted to address, and I'm going to ask you guys this for our mystery team question. So there's one team out there that no one's paying attention to out there. Um, will they make some noise in their last three games? These are all on the road. They uh, just beat a likely NIT team, and they beat a top 10 team and a top 20 team. All three of these were on the road. Who is this team? Ooh, their, la their last three games were all road games? Yes. Ooh, um. Nebraska. 
Nebraska, ding, 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 is the winner. I love Nebraska. I'm sorry to, sorry to cut you off, Fez, but I really was about to bet them today and ran out of time. And like my not betting thing, because I didn't manage the clock, I, I swear it's an 89% win percentage. <laughs> No, no, no doubt. So road wins at Penn State, at Ohio State, and then, of course, at Wisconsin when John, Johnny Davis gets injured. But I think that that just goes to show maybe Nebraska has gotten better. I'm not really sure why. Maybe you can tell me, Griffin, but they still stink. Well, I can tell you that uh, until they won that Penn State game, they were 0-8 on the road this season. So they they didn't win a single road game until a week ago, and now they've won three in a row. <laughs> they didn't win many home games either. I mean, that, what a wild what a wild end of the season for Nebraska uh, and, and Fred Hoiberg, who you know I I don't know what's going to happen to this guy, but he, he I guess. The, the way to look at it is this is progress from last year, right? They, they win seven games his first two years, and now they've, they've won, what, 10 now? So it's a, I, I guess it's a success. I'll go in with my soliloquy because uh, Nebraska has been brought up. They're a team that I've been wanting to back for a while and have been scared to pull the trigger, was hoping that this is a, a tournament run that they could potentially go on. And starting with Northwestern, I'm really not too worried about them, I got to say. I am worried about Nebraska because they missed their best player, their NBA type of talent, uh, and Bryce McGowan, who I think had a back injury or some sort of injury today. Um, his brother got ejected for a flagrant two foul and Alonzo Verge, another uh, transfer from Arizona State, who was really their lifeblood <laughs> with the other two guys out. He uh, got he fouled out after a really questionable technical for staring at an official like all the stops were pulled out for a 13 point Wisconsin Badger favorite at home to wrap up this Big Ten tournament or excuse me, Big Ten Conference Championship. And Nebraska still fought their way through. I mean, they murdered Penn State on the road. It was a pretty big win. Led Ohio State throughout. Also dealt with some really questionable officiating. And I feel like it's the time of year for, for Hoiberg where every the mayor, former mayor of Ames, Iowa, whenever things were turning up, um, I have lots of memories of him in Kansas City with Iowa State before he left for the Bulls job where this is the time of year for him. He just like renegotiated his contract to lower his buyout so they could fire him. And all they've done is won since then. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Fez, is, does the, the change in the bracket today, does it make you like someone more, like someone less than you did going into the weekend? The problem is I hadn't analyzed the pre-bracket. So <laughs> comparing it to the post will be difficult. I'll say this. I think Rutgers is in a bad spot here. Rutgers had all those tough games against ranked teams and played really well. And then their life and death against Penn State to, to punch their ticket to the dance for sure. They get it in a ridiculously close game. Now they got to, uh, and everyone played Sunday. So now sh- shorter week and they got to go out and do a lot of travel. I don't think they're going to go far in this tournament at all. Having said that, I hate this Big Ten. Every, every, I watch a whole lot of games and I don't like Michigan State at all. I don't like Michigan at all. I don't like Wisconsin at all. I think Iowa always flops in the tournament. Across the board, this this conference is overrated. If there was one bet I would give you for the big dance, Big Ten wins in the big dance. I will be looking selectively to bet against all these teams. And you mentioned Northwestern. I went there. Whenever Northwestern is average in a conference in the Big Ten, that's a down year for the Big Ten because Northwestern, other than their one home run tournament year, uh, they stink. So the conference is overrated. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. Although I do think that there is uh, there is some strength at the top. I, I I think that Purdue and Iowa are the two teams that if they are 
on offensively, they are terrifying. But I again, I don't trust them defensively to get through tournaments to through a tournament setting, and particularly Iowa having to play an extra game now. I, I think that really kind of screws them. So uh, it, Illinois is the team that I'm going to be looking to back here again, but at the plus three twenty. I, I, well, like Fez said, I think you're going to get a way better price uh, if if you roll over throughout the uh, throughout the tournament. So, all right, so there you have it, guys. All the big tournaments broken down. We appreciate you guys listening, Fez. I've got to ask you, and and this is uh, we talked about this last week on our pod. It's been a rough season for myself and Griffin. When you get to the end of the season and you've you it hasn't been your strongest year how, like how do you approach these uh these conference tournaments and the big tournament well i was very tongue-in-cheek when i was saying hey i'm red hot i'm six and one uh, you know what that's marketing guys all that's really important is long term and i get it long term means you probably shouldn't go back to 1995 but a good what do mutual funds look at a three-year rolling average a five-year and a 10-year and just by example at pregame no one was better than A.J. Hoffman, who had 58% two years ago and last year. So I think in terms of an evaluation, it's easy to say, hey, I'm not seeing things all that clearly. The bottom line is a missed free throw here, a technical foul there. Uh, The dude from Nebraska getting teed up, that's the worst technical I've ever seen still in the game. I would look at the three-year average on people and not worry about how they've done their last, even in one season, much less the last 10 games. All right. Well, that gives me some hope then, Fez. I appreciate that. Uh, Griffin, great job as always with the breakdowns. You've been a real pleasure to have this season. Uh, and we, we, of course, will have more once the uh, the NCAA field gets announced. We'll have a, a mega episode of some sort. We'll figure it out. Um, but that is, that, that's my on my schedule for this week is to figure out how to handle the NCAA tournament episodes. If we're going to do one, if we're going to do multiples, how we're going to approach it. But Fez, it is always an honor to have you on. We appreciate you gracing our our podcast and uh and teaching us some things we uh we we we, uh we are certainly better for it so thank you for your time today fez are we going to do best bets i'm going to break the rules i'm going to take arizona minus the 140 to win the pac 12 right after i said you should only mechanical parlay and don't bet any of these sucker bets give me arizona minus the 140 griffin do you have a favorite of these uh these futures I mean, I wasn't prepared, but you know, gun to my head, Illinois has the has the top seed right now in the Big Ten with a much easier bracket. Looks pretty good to me. Yeah, again, uh, and I would recommend doing mechanical parlays on all of these. Save me, Arizona may be one that you can get away with because I don't think UCLA gets through. Uh, I would lean to Arizona being my favorite, but since Fez took that, I will. I'll, I'll say Tennessee. Uh, I think Tennessee can get through the SEC, which is it feels like maybe the toughest one to pick. But if I had to pick one, Tennessee is the way I would go here. So and we'll mechanical parlay that, right? Of course, we'll, we'll of let course. You know what the payout is later after they win. Yeah. All right, boys, it's been fun. Mackenzie, thank you for all the work you've done. Thanks to all you guys for listening, and best of luck during these conference tournaments. And we will talk to you next week.